What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. A bill criminalizing charitable bail funds passed through the Georgia State Legislature yesterday. Joining us to discuss is Fallon McClure, the Deputy Director for Policy and Advocacy with Georgia's ACLU. Good morning, Fallon. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me to speak about this, you know, really important legislation. Yeah, well, we've been spending, as you can imagine, quite some time tracking the shenanigans happening in Georgia. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, talk to us about Senate Bill 63. What does it do? So Senate Bill 63, it does two things. So um, a lot of places have moved toward not requiring cash bail for offenses that are considered quality of life offenses. So like, you know, criminal trespass, um, things that kind of you associate with maybe being homeless or poor or just trying to survive. And we have all kind of research and data that shows that this is the way to go. But, you know, some folks in Georgia have decided that they want everyone to have to pay to be able to get out of jail. And so this bill, it adds 30 offenses that will require a cash bail, and then it additionally criminalizes bail funds. So it is just a truly regressive, horrible policy. I'm gonna digress just for a second, because I'm I'm having similar frustration, not around bail, but to the point that you made about what the data shows, right? Mountains of research that yes. shows a we can't incarcerate our way out of poverty uh things like keeping people in jail even before the first uh court date does nothing to improve public safety um Absolutely. we're really in the middle of this you know law and order backlash to the black lives matter movement to you know um uh the defund movement etc just from your perspective as an attorney why are we not using data-driven strategies to increase public safety i know i know i know i know but i want to hear i'm sorry i don't mean to laugh no 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 it's good we have to laugh laugh or scream my (laughs) listeners know what i think i just want to hear them say somebody else say it um i feel like that's the million dollar question right and the crazy part i mean it's just bananas i have no other word for it um but here in georgia in 2018 under uh Governor Nathan Deal, we actually had this criminal justice reform panel. It had like the chief justice of the Supreme Court, had various DAs, um, policy experts, brought people from around the state. Because if you don't know, Georgia has 159 counties. So that's 159 oh, wow. different jurisdictions, plus the hundred the hundreds of cities that um, also have their own jurisdictions, right? And so We, um, they brought together this panel, they did lots of research and they produced a report. And then based off of that report, um, bills started moving in the legislature that were based on these evidence-based practices. And so we were moving in the right direction. Um, And then we saw major cities like city of Atlanta, you know, ending cash bail. And then we were seeing it moving to other cities and jurisdictions and then, you know, George Floyd, COVID, and then um, I'm not sure how familiar there is a, um, a another black man murdered here, Rayshard Brooks. We also had yeah. Amon Aubrey down in Savannah, Brunswick area yep. rather. And then they were just like, you know what? 
forget all of that. And we have all of this evidence and the report that was, it was essentially the governor's part of his legacy programs, right? Like, because there were um, recommendations for prison reform, probation reform, and just overall because the strain on the system, right? Because Georgia has the most people per capita under correctional control in the entire country. We have more people wow. on correctional con under correctional control in Georgia than some whole countries. Like, that's how ridiculous. And they saw that this was an issue, but now they're just throwing away. And like, we literally have the evidence. <laughs> The and, data. And, and Fallon, Fallon, please send me that report because I know my deputy director of APTP is going to want to look at that. And also, I just think it's important to say, what's the percentage of black folks in Georgia? Sheesh. <laughs> you could you can, you can just say a lot. It's a lot, right? It's a, it's lot. a lot. So when we're talking well, about a lot of people in prison, we're talking about a lot of black people in prison. Exactly. And Georgia is... Um, as of 2020 is a majority minority state. Obviously that includes more than black people, but yes. So we over-incarcerate, I wanna say black people are probably maybe 30-ish percent of the population, um, but okay. they are definitely overrepresented in all forms of incarceration. All right, back to the bill. That's what you're here to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I, I read in, in while I was prepping, it, it specifically said charitable bail funds. Is that different than regular bail funds? From my understanding, it is it is any individual charitable fund, any anyone, right? That's not a actual bail bondsman that bails out more than three people a year is implicated under this. So we're talking about, you know, <clears throat> this is gonna sound so cliche, but the grandma that has, you know, some grandkids that perhaps have various issues she got to choose if she got five and five of them get arrested she only can get three of them out like it's wild tie this for me right so we've been covering uh the stop cop city movement in atlanta mm -hmm. um and you know one of the first real big story well the first big story was the murder of course of tortuguita but then shortly yeah. after that we saw an organization that was bailing out um, Stop Cop City protesters get raided. Those folks get arrested and charged. Can you tie this bill to the Stop Cop City movement in Atlanta? So I feel like yes and no. I think perhaps in authors' minds, this might have been something that they're thinking of, but this bill, at least as it relates to folks that have already been arrested and everything for Cop City, um, it would be barred by ex post facto um, and be considered retroactive. Um, and also, it's important to note that none of the people that were indicted in that, you know, massive Cop City indictment received a signature bond. I think some of the lowest bonds were like 50,000. So like this wouldn't even apply. So it's like, okay. this idea is like, you're trying to criminalize essentially a phantom because folks think that, oh, with signature bonds, you know, people are murdering people or whatever, and they just, you know, get a signature bond and don't have to pay any bail and they're just free out on bail to murder more people. Like that's kind of how it's being presented. And that's not of the course. case at all. <laughs> of course. And am I correct, Fallon, that this bill not only impacts people who are arrested, it targets people or orgs who may post bail? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so and it, so I yeah, think they perhaps we're trying to target again, like, you know, bail funds and stuff for um, 
Stop Cop City, but it's important to note that that particular bail fund has been in existence for years um, and has helped through, there was, I, I don't, um, uh, several years ago, I believe it was 2018, when there was the count every vote protest in the Georgia Capitol, and a sitting senator who is now in the in Congress, Nakima Williams, along with you know the director of I believe New Georgia Project, other folks got arrested right <laughs> in the Capitol, asking them to make sure to count all the votes. Like the bail fund was there for those folks. Then the bail fund has been there through all of the protests from you know Ahmaud Arbery. George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, and the names that continue, you know, over and over. So it's not just like this wasn't just a fund for Cop City, but this also impacts like Ebenezer Baptist Church, you know, the home church of um, of Senator Warnock. They do Black Mama's bailouts and Father's Day yeah. bailout, right? And so it's sweeping in the impact that it's going to have. Um, we have other orgs like um, um, Women on the Rise that always, you know, bail out black women um, yeah. that are suffering, that are, you know, typically on some very small offenses. And so it's going to completely disrupt uh, a lot of social justice initiatives, right? And then my personal opinion is obviously it's intentional so that people won't fight back, right? Because now Chill factor. it's like, right. So it's like, man, if you do this, um, the threat of arrest is high and it's not going to be easy to get you out. Yeah. And not just a chill factor in Atlanta. I want to be really clear. This is a chill factor across the country. I mean, I, you know, my org, the anti-police terror project, we bail folks out right uh, yeah. during protest. And, and when the, the raid happened um, of, of that first organization, Atlanta, like we, we for sure had a conversation and a reminder for my listeners, Atlanta's not the only place you're trying to build a cop city, right? Chicago, Tennessee, Absolutely. here in San Pablo. Um, and, and it's just interesting to me, the timing of all of this as we barrel towards this 2024 election and who it looks like is going to be in that seat. Um, Fallon, this also dovetails with the many, 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 many issues at the Fulton County Jail, including overcrowding. Talk Absolutely. to me a bit about that and other issues at the jail and how this may compound their existing problems. Absolutely. So we have actually wrote, wrote, written <laughs> two <laughs> reports on, on the overcrowding at Fulton County Jail. The first report we did, oh gosh, it's 2024 now. So the first report we did was 2022. Um, and we released that report right as the city of Atlanta was considering leasing 700 beds uh, to Fulton County Jail. And we are like, hey, look, if you don't deal with the problems that are causing this overcrowding, more beds, expanding the carceral footprint, that's never going to solve your problem, right? You're still going to have the same problems. And so we presented some solutions, four solutions, like things like, you know, um, making sure the Atlanta Police Department actually utilizes site and release for misdemeanors, not jailing on misdemeanors, um, um, having true determination of, of uh, people's ability to pay bail, um, indicting cases within 90 days. And so we present, oh, and then, you know, further usage of the Atlanta and Fulton County have a joint uh, project called Policing Alternatives Diversion that is being underutilized because it's on officer discretion for when they want to divert cases, right? And so 
we released that report, they still ended up leasing the 700 beds. Unfortunately, since the time I believe we wrote that first report, 10 people had died in custody, Fulton County custody, and one young woman yeah. um, at the Atlanta City Detention Center where they moved all the women. So, but on top of that, they didn't have the the requisite staffing. So I think they're only utilizing around 300 to 350 beds, right? Because they don't even have the staffing to be able to use all 700. So there's that piece. And then we came back at the end of last year and wrote another report, we released it in December and was just like, look, <laughs> y'all have made a few strides, but it's still a problem. And one of the biggest problems we see is the ability, uh, true determinations of ability to pay um, bail. And so Georgia, like many states, uses the, I always say this case wrong, the IALA factors of, you know, are uh -huh. they a risk? a threat and risk to others, are they a risk to themselves, the victim, a flight risk, blah, blah, blah. But in there, there's supposed to be a true determination of, a of ability to pay bond. We watched several hearings and it's just not happening, right? And there was a uh, Fulton County magistrate judge that did a, a determination of ability to pay bond um, and on the record and everything. And then ultimately, they were suspended because the person did get out and do something, you know, stupid, but not, you know, horrible. And right. uh, so the chief magistrate suspended them for actually essentially following the law. So and why and bringing it back to, um, you know, this Senate Bill 63 is because this would actually require um, cash bail for so many more offenses and it's taking away judicial discretion and it's taking away the ability to truly determine people's ability to pay because I believe the statistic is about 80% of folks that come through the criminal justice system in Georgia are, are considered legally indigent, meaning that they don't, I think you can't make more than like 12,000 a year. And so the idea that you have such a large indigent population and now we're going to require them to pay a cash bail on so many more offenses. That means people are going to sit in jail longer and then the, the longer you sit in jail, then there's more people there. It continues to exacerbate the overcrowding um, crisis uh, that we're having and it's unsafe for the folks that are there, the people that work there, and it's unsafe for the community. And back to how we started this conversation, we have the data that shows people have better outcomes when they don't have to sit in jail for those extra days, weeks, months, right? When they can get back Years to their families sometimes. and jobs. Right. When they can get back to their families and jobs and everything, we know that recidivism drops. And so if we're just talking about dollars and cents, isn't it a lot less money to let people be out than to house them? And just in terms of, you know, public safety strategy, I mean, back again to how we started this conversation, a lot of um, folks are in jail because of quality of life, quote unquote, uh, crimes. If you get out, you don't have a job, you've lost your housing, you can't feed yourself, exactly. then you're going to do what you got to do to put food in your belly. It's just nonsensical. Thon, I got to wrap this up here, but um, last question. The bill passed state legislature yesterday. What happens next? Uh, now it goes to the governor's desk 
Um, we don't know <laughs> when he'll sign it. <laughs> um, you know, we're still hoping and trying to apply pressure and looking at, you know, every possible strategy to to try to stop this. Um, but yeah, it's going to his desk. Okay. Well, Fallon, our eyes are on uh, Georgia. We will continue to cover this story. You've been an amazing guest. I've enjoyed talking to you. I hope you'll come back. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>